Hi all, this is our second in our preaching series on prayer. And today we're going to take some time to look at prayers of adoration to our Abba Father. I want you to think for a minute, what is it that you adore? What do you hold in high esteem? What do you lift up and admire? When you adore something, you're putting them up there above all things. Your heart is given over to them. It's like you esteem yourself down here and they're up here in your sights. And this is a, the picture that we see in the passage that I've chosen today. A picture of adoration, a picture of submission and of extravagance. I'm going to read from you today from John 12 and I'm using the NIV version. It says, in six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and she wiped her feet with her hair, his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I think the first thing to understand about Mary was that she knew Jesus. She intentionally took time out of her day to understand who, she, who he was. Luke 10, 39 tells us that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and learned. We read in the message version of the Bible that Jesus' response to Martha complaining that Mary was neglecting her duties to sit at Jesus' feet was one thing only is essential and Mary has chosen it. It's the main thing and it won't be taken away from her. Sitting at Jesus' feet is essential. Learning from Jesus is essential. The word of God reveals the very wisdom of God's of God that is essential for all of life's decisions and choices and directions. Understanding God's word puts us in communion with the living Lord. Understanding his word puts our lives into perspective. True, authentic, spontaneous, heartfelt worship and adoration comes from a place of knowing the object of your worship, of understanding who he is, what he's created and what he has done in your life. I like to remind my daughter that as well as being two weeks late, I went through more than 40 hours of labour to have her. It was actually quite a horrific experience. I nearly died during the process. And initially I was reluctant to hold her. I was sore, I was traumatised and overwhelmed. The moment I held my child in my hands, something changed. I adored her. I could stare at her beautiful features for hours. Her body's 
produce a chemical called oxytocin, which works in the reward centre of our brain. We're hardwired to love our children. Sometimes things go wrong in this and it's not always the case. But in the main, we're we're designed to love and be loved. Jonathan and I are blessed to have four beautiful children, two young adults and our recently adopted five-year-old and three-year-old. And the, the thing that I've learned about my children is that they always surprise me. There's so always so much more to learn about their characters, their personality traits, the way they respond to different situations in their life. And the more I learn about them, the more I love them. The more we learn about God, the more we open our hearts to love him. The first line of the Lord's Prayer is, Our Father who art in heaven. There is a personal relational acknowledgement in praying to Father God. He's not a God who's distant or aloof or judging. He's our Father and we are his children. And we need to understand who our Father is through knowing the person of Jesus to truly appreciate the enormity, the intimacy of the relationship that we have with him. The next part of that prayer says, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means holy or set apart. And saying hallowed be your name, it's, it's a sense of respecting his reverence. You're praying that his name be holy in all the earth as it is in heaven. The name of God is an expression of his character. God is our creator. He's our master. He's the almighty one the God of the Most High, the Strong One, the God who sees all things, everlasting God, our provider, the one who sanctifies. He's our shepherd, our healer. He's the bringer of peace and so, so, so much more. The more we learn about God, the more we love him, the more we recognise his holiness, his reverence, and the more we recognise the absurdity, the abnormity, the extravagant love that our Father has for us. You see, we need the, the truth of God's love to be etched on our hearts to replace that small, distorted or inadequate picture that we may have of him. And the name of God is supremely and fully revealed in the person of Jesus. Mary recognised this when she fell at his feet. She recognised who the focus of her worship was. And the second thing to understand about Mary is that she wholeheartedly surrendered herself to Jesus. Sitting at someone's feet is an act of submission. And then washing someone's feet is usually the job of the lowest of servants. But here was Mary at a dinner in honour of Jesus, the same Jesus that she saw raise Lazarus to life. Mary recognised Jesus as the resurrection life. And here she was, seated at a table with him. And as the meal was served, rather than gloating or boasting, which I must admit I have a, a tendency to do, she fell at his feet and surrendered. Understanding who he was and what he'd done her only fitting response was to surrender to him. And then her anointing his feet with perfume is a response of a thankful heart, an act of love. And in that moment of surrender, she gave her all. She gave her most 
treasured possession. She held nothing back. That nard that she lavishly poured over the feet of Jesus would have cost the equivalent of a year's wages. Nard was a, a very rare and precious commodity found in specific areas of India and the Himalayan mountains. It was often used for trading because of its high value and its ease of transportation. And as she poured it over Jesus' feet, Judas was horrified at what he saw as a complete and utter waste of resources. And he used the poor as an excuse for his attitude. But John suggests that that's not where his heart was, that actually he cared nothing about the poor and his thoughts were more about that that money could have lined his own pockets. Whether this is true or not, Judas's vision of Jesus was just too small and his attitude was shared by others among them. As it talks about in Matthew's account of the anointing, Judas just voiced what other people were, were feeling. This is too much, it's too extravagant, it's embarrassing even. Have you ever been in church and you've witnessed someone appearing to be completely lost in worship. You might see them dancing in the aisle or have them waving flags vigorously. Or maybe their voice is just raised well above other people's. Was your response one of judgment? I know that sometimes that I look at people and I'm wondering what they're doing. Were you thinking, that's, that's over the top, that's too loud, that's a bit much? We read in 2 Samuel that David danced before the Lord. He was leaping around. And when he was challenged to this, his response was that he was willing to look even more foolish than this. When we're truly lost in worship, truly lost in adoration, what we look like, what we others think about us, shouldn't matter a jot. We just pour out our love for him. Mary's devotion would later sit in sharp contrast to the portrayal of Jesus by Judas. Mary's ability, her heart, her desire to surrender her all to Jesus, that beautiful heart of absolute abandonment came from a place of recognising his goodness, recognising his transforming power in her life. And that's something that Judas failed to recognise something that resulted in him surrendering to things of the world and realising too late his folly in doing this. Judas had a small, distorted view of Jesus. His understanding of who Jesus was was ultimately inadequate and he put his trust in the wrong things and he surrendered to the wrong things. And I think there's a propensity in all of us to be a bit like Judas trusting the things of the world, like money, position, possessions, instead of trusting Jesus. In the midst of the, the pandemic and all that's been going on in lockdown, I think that misplaced trust has been challenged. I know certainly for me that it has, and also for other Christians and non-Christians alike. I know it's challenged my heart to want to be more like Mary, to surrender to him, to know Jesus more and with absolute abandonment to follow him. And I'm sure that I'm not alone in this desire. 
But to do this, we need to go back to the cross. We need to understand that le- the love that Jesus has for you, to understand afresh that he loves you, that you are healed, that you're redeemed, that you're saved by grace, to recognize again his transforming power in your life and surrender all that you are, all that you possess, back over to him again. Adoration comes from a place of knowing who God is and surrendering to him. It's from that place that we can lift our prayers of adoration to our Lord, our God, our Saviour, our Father. Whether a deliberate and intentional act or a spontaneous outpouring, adoration is focused on God. It recognises his qualities, his greatness, his holiness. We can do this through prayer, through worship, through serving. We can do it with our hearts, our souls, our body, our mind, our spirit. I love the words of that song, I'm lost in wonder. I'm lost in wonder, I'm lost in love, I'm lost in praise forevermore. Because of Jesus' unfailing love, I'm forgiven, I am restored. And you get a sense of Mary being lost in wonder, lost in love as she unties her hair and lets it down to rub oil in the feet of Jesus. Jewish women would never undo their hair in public. It was considered undignified. Mary didn't give consideration to how she'd be judged, to what people thought of her. She wasn't doing it for other people. It was purely a devotional act. And the cost didn't matter. Her reputation didn't matter. Her dignity didn't matter. This was her Jesus, her saviour. And she knew that there was none like him. And she wanted to praise his mighty name, in this selfless act of worship. I've shared in the past my testimony of how I became a Christian, but I'm happy to boast again today in my Saviour. The short version is that I got to a place where I was suffering from severe depression. I was struggling with the circumstances of life. I saw little hope in a future. And the only thing that kept me alive were that my two children needed me. And then I encountered the love of God. It was overwhelming. It was transforming. It was indescribable. And it changed me in an instant. And I had this insatiable appetite to be in the presence of God. I remember at the time I was teaching and I used to leave my classroom, leave the teaching assistant in charge and go into the toilet just to speak to him. I wasn't asking for anything. I didn't want anything. I just desired to be near him. I needed to be near him. I was the best version of myself when I was. Along with many of you, I've been going through the prayer course with a group of people. So far, we've covered why pray and adoration. And I shared that my favourite part of prayer is adoration because of the way that it makes me feel. That sense of excitement being in his presence, that indescribable feeling as the Holy Spirit fills you and that spontaneous outpouring of love and recognition of what he's done for me. I love it. And for for in those moments, I, I can't get enough of him. And I experience that at my point of conversion. I've experienced it at conferences, weekends away with other Christians. I've experienced it at New Day, at Catalyst. And then more recently in Bogota, 
where I had a profound encounter with God that left me in a state of spontaneous prayer and worship for hours afterwards. I remember lying in my bed, just praising his name, speaking in tongues and thanking him for who he was and what he'd done in my life. In the extraordinary, in the non-routine, adoring God feels like a natural extension of who I am. But I want that to be in the everyday. I want that to be a pattern of my life. I want to be like Mary and fall at the feet of Jesus every day, not just on the occasions when I gather with groups of people or when I have those encounter moments. But to do this, I know that I need to be more like Mary. I know that I need to spend more time at the feet of Jesus. I need to spend more time in his word, knowing him more, allowing the truth of his word to be etched on my heart so that I have a right perspective of him. Jesus twice affirms Mary's decision to fall at her feet. Once in Luke 10, when she desired to learn from him, from him. And again in those verses in John 12, when she pours out her extravagant love. She's doing the thing that is essential. And as she poured that jar of nard, nard that perfume pervaded the whole room. The aroma would have filled the air. It would have filled the nostrils of all the people in attendance. She would have had it in her hair and on her clothes and in her hands. And that would not have gone unnoticed by the people that she met. Just like when Moses came down from the mountain at Sinai and his face was radiant because he'd encountered God. When we spend time in his presence, when we spend time adoring him, we can't help but be changed. We radiate love for him. Our spirit testifies with his spirit that he is the name above all names. The first verse of that prayer says, our father in heaven. If you don't know God is your father or you've somehow forgotten this, then I urge you to come back to the cross of Jesus. This is how much he loves you, so much that he would give his one and only son to die for you. Not because of who you are or what you've done, but because of who he is, your loving father. And the Bible is filled with verses and messages of his love to you. And if you need some help with that, then I urge you to, to contact one of our hosts now or email in to 3c at allnationsbedford.org. The next part says, hallowed be your name. Spend time praising God for who he is, thanking him for what he's done. Surrender your life afresh to him, giving him your all. I'm just going to finish by reading a few vers verses from 1 Chronicles 29. And the verse I'm reading from is the message. It says, blessed are you, God of Israel, our father, from old and forever. To you, O God, belong the greatest and the might, the glory, the victory, the majesty, the splendor. Yes, everything in heaven, everything on earth, the kingdom, it all yours. You've raised yourself high over all. Riches and glory come from you. You're the ruler of all. You hold strength and power in the palm of your hands to build up and strengthen all. And here we are, O God, our God, giving thanks to you, praising your splendid name. We just thank you, Father, that we can come to you. 
We thank you that we can praise you. We thank you that you are our Alpha and our Omega, our beginning and our end. And Father, we, we just desire to spend time in your presence to thanking you for who you are and what you have done for us. In your almighty name, amen.